This is BPN Radio, your 24-hour Internet prayer station with Dale Gentry and friends. Calling America to pray. A member of the Breakout Prayer Network. Let's pray, America. It's time now for the Warriors Watch with Pastor Callie Hargraves here on BPN Radio. Second Chronicles 23.6 says, And all the people shall keep the watch of the Lord. Now, here's your host for the Warriors Watch, my friend, Callie Hargraves. Good morning. This is Pastor Callie with Warrior Watch, and I'm so happy to have Miss Frida here. We've been talking about a woman God can use, and I cannot tell you how this book is blessing my life and everyone that I have reading this book. And of course, there's people reading it all over the country and all over the world. And uh, I just we wanted to have one more radio show to talk about this book, and then give give Miss Frida time to just even share some more of the stories. The stories are. They're true stories. Yes, they are. Of women uh, of faith, the Bible women, um, patri- uh, matriarchs in the Bible, and then women in history yes. that are true matriarchs in our history that yes. followed under the same anointing. So, Miss Frida, let's just get started. Okay. And, and we'll just enjoy today talking All about right. God's Word. I'm so glad to be back with you. God is very gracious yes, he to is. allow us to be together one more time. Um this lady that we, we want to talk about today is found in Romans 16. And, you know, a lot of people, they read these lists in the Bible of men and women, and they don't really understand the depth of their character. Mm-hmm. And the women that God just quickened to me when I was writing this book, um, I began to look at some godly character traits with them. And and with the um, similar anointings of women in history. Right. Because we truly have a great cloud of witnesses. Yes, we that do. That surround us, that are cheering us on, that have passed the baton to us. Right. And they're encouraging us to run our race well. Sure. And so in Romans 16, Paul is commending people. And he says, I commend to you our sister Phoebe which we shared on our one of our previous broadcasts, the servant of the church at Sincrea. And, of course, she stood in the office of a pastor. She was a woman that took charge of her own life, and she ruled her words. And um, as we looked in verse 2, Paul said, You receive her in the Lord in a manner worthy of the saints. Wow. I, I, Paul was not against women. He was for them. Absolutely. And godly men and godly women are called to walk hand in hand and disarm the powers of darkness in these last days. It's past time to be quibbling over such insignificant things about whether a man or a woman could do anything for Jesus. If he anoints us. That's more than enough. You know, Miss Miss Frida, when at the beginning of the year when they had that women's liberation right uh, uh, march in in, uh, in Washington, um, of course, at first I was so grieved because of right. a, a lot of the agendas are most of the agendas are not anything that that are important to me or make sense. I believe in women right. having equal pay and equal everything, but a lot of the agendas that they get into, you know, they just, they're contrary to the word of God. They don't speak for but us. But you know what it did do for me? Yes. There was something in me that ignited. 
that said it is time for the women of God to stand up like never before. And I truly believe that this great awakening, God, he, the Lord is highlighting women. Yes. This is part of the reason for you writing this book and the timing of this book. It is time for the woman to come to the forefront. Yes. Not that she wants to run ahead of a man. No, but she is called. Though. We are called by God and it does not matter whether we're female or male, that's right. We have a responsibility to answer the call, and I felt in my spirit that that was a like an Ishmael to the Isaac. Absolutely, that 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 was what the the even the world senses that yes. it's time for the woman. That's right. But it's time for the real godly woman to. That's stand exactly up. right. And so when Paul um, is referring to these individuals in Romans sixteen. He highlighted 10 women, and one of them was Phoebe, who I believe um, stood in the office of a pastor. And and then in verse 3, he talked about Priscilla and Aquila, and we shared with them in a previous right. uh, broadcast how six times they're mentioned in the New Testament. Three times her name is first. And three times three his. Three times his name. Perfect balance. Right. God doesn't want to promote anyone above somebody else. We're all to submit to one another in the fear of the Lord. And then he goes down and he talks about greet the church. Verse 6, greet Mary who worked hard for you. And then in verse 7, I love this, he says, Greet Andronicus and Junius, my kinsmen, my fellow prisoners, who are outstanding among the apostles, who also were in Christ before me. Wow. Now, here's someone that was a Christian before Paul. Wow. And he calls these two individuals, Andronicus and Junius, apostles. And I, I began to think about this. And um, in the beginning, when I first wrote this book and many years ago, because <laughs> the new uh, woman God can use is the redo of the original woman called to preach. The Lord spoke to me and he said, I've had women stand in all of the fivefold ministry. I offices. believe that. I believe uh, that. He has not left any stone untouched. He has his anointing upon godly men. And godly, godly women. women. Right. Yeah. So I felt like that Junius, because of the word, that she was a woman. Now, you know, I just love the Passion Translation. Yeah, I just got mine. It's wonderful. It's, uh, yeah, it's over there. I just got it. I it's love it. It's wonderful. Well, a dear friend who pastors a church in London, England, told me, he said, Freda, you must get this translation and you must see what Dr. Simmons says about Romans 16. Wow. And I said, okay. So this is what Dr. Simmons said, who, who was the uh, translator of the Passion Translation. Throughout the first 1,200 years of church history, Andronicus and Judea were considered to be husband and wife. Wow. Wow. The Greek word, and, and I'm not even going to try to pronounce that because okay. I'll just butcher it means famous, prominent, outstanding. Wow. Jesus chose 12 men and called them apostles, but the 12 were not the only ones identified in the New Testament as apostles. apostles. There was Matthias, Paul, Barnabas, Andronicus, and Junia. So here's a husband and wife that were known far and wide. 
for over a thousand years for standing in the office of of an an apostle. And so he talks about them. And, you know, if you just read this with one little quick, you know, daily Bible reading, I'm going to read my Bible and... And you read Romans 16, verse 7, and, and you just see all these names that we don't have anybody called Andronicus and Junius anymore. Right. And it just skips right by us. But he said they were outstanding. And, of course, Dr. Simmons said that means famous, prominent, and outstanding. Wow. So they were powerful women. And in the Greek language, the word that it says, um, my kinsman, according to Young's, translation of the Bible, the correct rendering should have been kin's folk or king's women. Wow. So it, it it's kind of misleading when you read that because you think he's, it's men, so it couldn't possibly have been, she couldn't have been a yeah, woman. it makes it all seem male. Absolutely. So if you said kin's folk are kindred, then it would accommodate both sexes. And so he is literal translation of Young's translation says, salute Andronicus and Junia, my kindred and fellow captives who are of note among the apostles who've also been in Christ before me. Then, you know how I love church history. Yes. Archbishop John Chrysostom wrote, so many homilies and commentaries of the scripture. And um, he was a man that was, I mean, the literal, he's going to go right for the, you're not going to. It's not going to mess with it. Not going to mess with the scripture. Very literal. And he writes on Romans and he mentions genius. Wow. And it says, uh, it seems that she, like Priscilla and Phoebe were engaged in ministry in public knowledge Centuries after their death. Wow. Wow. And so this is what Chrysostom wrote about her. Who are of note among the apostles? And indeed, to be an apostle is at all a great thing. But to be amongst those of note, just consider what a great encomium or expression of great praise this is. For they were of note owing to their works of their achievements. Oh, how great is the devotion of this woman that she should be counted worthy wow. of the appellation for title of apostle. And then he doesn't stop and he goes on and adds another high praise of her. Then Theophilac, who was a Greek, he wrote about her. And he said the greatness exists because they're apostles, but in an especially in the company of a woman, Junia, much unity. Wow. So, you know, the theme throughout the Bible and what I have endeavored to share with these women in the Bible, 16 of them, is that they took their voice and they began to use their voice under the unction and the anointing of the Holy Spirit to make a difference in their culture, in their family, in their nation, whatever. Right. And that's what we're doing. Yeah. I mean, I appreciate your prayers. I mean, I'm just listening and praying right along yes. with you when we're you're broadcasting on his voice because that's what we're called to do. Yes. Yes. And that's what she did. Yes. And and according to this man, Theophilac, who was a Greek, and we're going back, you know, three or four hundred years after she's already gone home to glory, he said there was much unity with her. So she ruled her spirit well. She, her words were so seasoned with salt that it made an impact. 
And it says, this is his words. It's more great because they were so distinguished. They were by their works. They were not ashamed to speak and to confess of Paul who believed in Christ. Wow. So here he is, the young Christian, and here they are, the older ones. Yes. But they're willing to embrace him, to promote unity among the brethren. Um, To me, this is powerful. And then um, you go on down, and because some theologians would say, well, we don't have any record that she was ever in prison with Paul. Well, Chris Austin sheds light on that. And he says this. And where was Paul a prisoner that he should call them my fellow prisoners? A prisoner, he's not been in the sense of a captive of war, but he suffered things worse than the prisoners. And being an alien, not only to his country and his family, but in wrestling with famine and continual deaths and thousands of other things. But this man was in the constantly in the midst of enemies and saw spears on every side. Wow. And sharpened swords and arrays and battles. And, you know, he said they were my fellow captives. So they went through the same yeah, persecution. Yeah, they've been through the same things. I've Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. So we know that Christians are still facing conflict all over the world. Yes. They're being persecuted for their faith. And yet God gives us the grace to stand in the evil day. Yes. And so Junia was an apostle. And... I began to think about it uh, when I was researching women from history. I found a woman that I had never heard of before. And I really thought that um, when I looked at her, the, the characteristic that just jumped out at me, her name was Gladys Award. Uh, she never took no for an answer. And when men discouraged her and told her she couldn't do anything, for God, she would just go down deep on the inside of herself and, and listen. Now, God, what are you telling me? There, man is telling me no. And, you know, I think about Junia. How many men did she have to um, deal with? Mm-hmm. And thank God she had her husband to help her because they worked together, according to Romans 16, Andronicus and Junius worked together. They were husband and wife, but Gladys didn't even have a husband. And so she felt like the Lord was calling her to service in the East and in particular to China. And the problem was that she studied for three months and the China Inland Mission training said it was impossible for her to be a missionary. She just wasn't bright enough. And uh, (laughs) I like that because it was to her credit that Gladys refused to take no for an answer. And she just said, Lord, what do you want me to do? And so instead of complaining that no one would help her, She went to work and she was a maid in someone's home. And here she is, a poor lady, not too bright, single in England. And she says, God, but I really feel like you've called me to go to China. Wow. No one supported her. But, you know, uh, whenever she came to the place that no task was beneath her. Mm. And I believe that the women God uses are those that are willing to give themselves and men that are willing to give themselves to 
humble task. I believe that. Too. The the jobs that nobody else wants to do. They don't want to get their hands dirty. They don't want to have to deal with mundane things. Right. Gladys was gladly worked. So what she did, as she's working, God's building his character on the inside of her. And she had little to offer except a willing heart. So she applies for domestic help because the Missionary Society said, no, you're not qualified, and saved her money until she could afford to purchase a ticket to China. And so in October of 1932, she saved enough money to book a one-way ticket. I love this. To China. To China from England. And so that meant that she has a one-way third-class ticket, not first-class, second-class, third-class ticket on the Trans-Siberian Express. So her railroad trip across Europe was awful. It was a first-class nightmare. And so she went as far as she could on the train, then took a steamer to Japan, another boat to China, and a bus into central China. Her last lap of the journey was on a mule caravan. Oh, my Lord. Now, I, you know, I can't even imagine. Yeah, she wanted to go. She was determined to obey the voice of the Holy Spirit. So she became, I believe, an apostle to China in that she she seized every opportunity when there was none I mean she didn't have a missionary society backing her she didn't have a husband she didn't have any children she had nothing but her own willingness to work and put her hand to the task before her and she saved every dime until she could buy herself a one-way ticket there was never a consideration of going back home wow because if, if that was in her mind, she'd have bought a two-way ticket. Right. Isn't that amazing? So what she did, she could never learn the Chinese language in school. That's why they told her she couldn't make it. But she began to walk to the villages and share the gospel with her Bible stories. And it wasn't long till she began to pick up the Chinese language by being among the people. And um, as she did, during the Chinese-Japanese War, she even became a spy. And she took care of 200 orphans and provided primitive medical care for the soldiers. Just before they had to evacuate the area, God sent a revival. Wow. And many of them became Christians. And because she was piercing the darkness with her her determination, a bounty of $1,000 was put on her head. Wow. So the powers of darkness hated her. And they were endeavoring to snuff out her voice, Mm -hmm. to stop her, to take her life. And she was, Gladys was forced to flee to the mountains because she was driving, uh, wrecking um, havoc upon the powers of darkness. She was absolutely taking the captives away from the powers of darkness. Uh, And men wanted to stop her. But God made a way of escape and uh, on foot. She made the journey with 100 children from ages 3 to 16 and brought them safely free to free China. Wow. It took them a month of travel and at great personal cost to her. Wow. And, you know, when you stop and think about that, we're talking back before 
World War One. Yeah, too. I, it's unbelievable. You know, so modern conveniences were, were in the best of. in the best light. It was not easy. That's and right. What she was doing would seem impossible. Absolutely, but she had so had her character forged on God's anvil that she just when man told her no. She didn't take that for the last word. No. And I believe anybody that it wants to be used by God, you're going to have to get over whether you're man-pleasing or, or approval of man. You're going to have to let all that go. You're going to have to go down deep on the inside of your innermost being and say, God, what do you want me to do? Now, and I'm is, willing to pay the price. That is a that is such a landmark um teaching and discovery that we must yes. all cross. That's right. You know, especially personalities. My personality is more of a people pleasing personality. Yeah. yeah. And I, especially personalities that are more, there's some personalities not as bent toward that way. They're going to, and then right. some, it's a real, it's like pastor Todd. We say he's going to get into heaven if he'd got saved or not got saved because <laughs> he's so sweet. Yeah. So, so there's some, there's some of us, you're more bent toward people pleasing. Yes. But if we're truly going to do what God's called us to do, we cannot allow people pleasing to be the top rung of our life. Absolutely. And she, to me, is a classic example of someone, you know, history says she was not too bright. But she was determined. She was bright enough to do what God called her to oh, do. Oh, let me tell you, I believe she was an apostle to that nation. And so because her health suffered over the extreme sacrifices that she made, Delivering those children safe wow. to free China. Um, she eventually returned to England, but she found out it could never be home to her. And she began to minister to the Chinese refugees. And a BBC reporter discovered her story and told it in a book, The Small Woman, because she's a little tiny woman. Wow. And in 1957, she returned to Taipei, Formosa, or Taiwan, and established an orphanage in Hong Kong. And the rest of her life was spent ministering and working with the orphans or traveling and telling her story. She was one woman that God sent, and she listened and obeyed and saw his faithfulness because she made herself available. That's so beautiful. And I, I love it because a motion picture was then made called The End of Sixth Happiness and even a television series, This Is Your Life. And so she died in 1970 in Taipei, but she willingly gave herself to menial tasks. She overcame the frustrations of life, the fears, the disappointments, and made a difference for many children who were homeless and without a future. And I believe it was because tenacity and perseverance were so a part of the fabric of her being that she stood. And when I look at her, it makes me think that's what Junia was made out of. Yes, yes. Because she endured incredible hardships in the fact that she was called a fellow prisoner by Paul. So these two ladies inspire me to run my race. Absolutely. You know, I, another thing that I've been thinking about a whole lot is, you know, I am so bent towards... Um, self-help and right and being the best that we can be sure. and you know walking out our destiny and but I, I sometimes I cringe or get 
get a little concerned that we teach so much of that that we don't bring into the balance that sometimes the the will of God will mean suffering. That's right. And I, you know, when you look at these patriarchs and matriarchs and people that in history, you know, a lot of them was it was not a glamorous life. Not at all. But it was a happy life because yes. it was submitted to the will of God. They were fulfilled first of all in um the the core of their being and that God was truly in charge of their life. And Jesus said, in this world, you'll have tribulations, but be of good cheer. And what I have seen in these women uh, in the Bible that I highlighted in the book that corresponded to women of history, they all went through incredible difficult times. Uh, Many of them buried their own children. Many of them um, went through divorces and abandonment and rejection and yet poverty, extreme poverty and hardship, but they kept their eyes on the prize. They were determined to run their race well. And so today I look at Romans 16 and I think, no wonder Paul recommended them. No wonder he did. So when someone says, well, uh, recently there was something came up on Facebook and at home where I live in Cleveland, Texas, and came up and, and this woman was asking a question about whether a woman could be in ministry or not. And immediately a, a man said, absolutely not. Mm. And uh, went on. And so I sent her a private message and I said, I would encourage you to read my book. And I thought, boy, Freda, you've got your bold button turned on. That's good. But I really believe that God gave it to me. It's sure. not real. I mean, I wrote it. But I, but he's the one that guided yes, me yeah, and, and had me to read the right biographies to put them with the right people. Sure. And her response to me was, well, I value your opinion. Do you really believe that the scripture supports women in ministry? And my response was, not only does do I believe that the scripture supports women in ministry, but church history validates it. And that's why even in my book, I endeavored to bring in the early church fathers because here they were after Paul has gone home to his reward in heaven, after Priscilla and Phoebe and Junia and Mary and Tryphosa and Tryphena and all of these women, 10 of them in Romans 16, God still has that anointing in the earth today. And he's looking for somebody like Elisha did when he grabbed the mantle when Elijah was taken up to heaven that grabbed a hold of that mantle and said, here am I, Lord, send me. Yes. And uh, so it would be real interesting to see if she ever gets the book and reads it because yes. it would open her eyes. Sure. And and that's the reason I wrote it was to be a reference tool that people can go back. They're, many people are not going to do that research. No. They're no, not going to read the biographies no, of men and women so of God. it takes so much time and expertise and, and then even understanding of the scripture. I want to take a minute and we're going to uh, have a, a song and a time of worship and then we're going to come right back and talk more about a woman God can use. Did I pay? And now you're 
It has been such a pleasure to be uh, with Frida White, Pastor Frida White. Uh, literally, Miss Frida is walking out and living what she's preaching. I really appreciate this book, A Woman God Can Use, because she's lived this out. She's walked this out. She's walked this out. And I love Frida because she's not just one of these people um, that want to step behind a pulpit and preach, which she's fantastic at. But you'll see her feeding the poor. You'll see her out getting her hands dirty. You'll see her doing all kinds of things in the community. She really lives out the gospel. And I believe God has called many of you women that are listening to do great exploits. And I want to talk about, Frida, about some practical ways. If you feel like God is calling you, what should your mindset be? Well, first of all, if if you really sense the leading of the Holy Spirit to do something, um, you need to prepare yourself. And one of the things is you need to become a woman of prayer. Yes. Um, years ago, when I was first filled with the Holy Spirit, I began to learn how to pray the scripture. That's so good. And Jermaine Copeland is a dear friend, and she wrote all of the books called Prayers That Avail Much. She's in her 80s now, and um, a wonderful little tiny woman, doesn't even stand five foot tall, but full of the word of God. And so I would wear out those books because she took the time and it's a lot of time. As a matter of fact, her new book that's coming out is Prayers for the Nation. Wow. And so she um, has word ministries in Georgia somewhere, but you can Google her and you can find out about it. But I began to learn how to take God's word and pray them. And so when I married Bob, he was not a Christian. I knew better. I became a Christian when I was nine years old. Right. But um, he was very kind. He was considerate. He was thoughtful. I was a widow. My first husband drowned when I was pregnant with my daughter, Paige. And so he was very kind to me and my two children. And so I married him. And then he wouldn't go. He, I told him, I said, because he wouldn't go to church. And I said, well, I'm not going to marry you unless you go to church with me. And um, so he did. He said he would. And he did. And um, so I would um, pray. And what I did was my Bible at that time was the Amplified Version. And everywhere it said, my son, Wow. I wrote B-O-B, Bob. Wow. And it took me 45 minutes every day to pray. I prayed the entire book of Proverbs over Bob. Everywhere it said, my son, I would say, Bob. And as a result, Bob was saved and filled with the Holy Spirit and called to preach. Now, I'm not saying if you do that, that will happen. <laughs> but what happened was I got the word in me. Yes. Because, and I prayed it out loud. And so every morning he went off to work and I'm at home with two little kids. And I just made it a priority to pray the scripture. So I, I would pray in the spirit, pray in, in, in tongues, and then I would pray the word. So I got it in me. The next thing I determined to do was I was going to read the Bible through from Genesis 1 all the way through to the end of Revelation wow. every year. And um, it was several years down the road after being filled with the Holy Spirit that I really sensed God was calling me to teach. And that's when I began to read the Bible. So for the last 30 years or more, 
I don't know. I lose track of time. You know when you're vintage. Sure. <laughs> like sure. me, I'm, I'm vintage. vintage I'm old. <laughs> no, honey, you're young. Yeah. <laughs> I'm 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 old. Uh, I just celebrated my 70th birthday. You don't so, look at that. Well, well you're bless beautiful. you. Bless you. Um, I began to read the Bible through. And so, you know, I just I have Bibles everywhere. And so I grabbed one this morning when I was walking out and I thought, well, I'm glad I'm not standing up because the pages are <laughs> falling out. But, you know, that's OK. But what happened was I began to get a full um, idea of the plan that God has for his people. So many of the women that are in this book from the Old Testament are going back to that. But my mother told me, and if you have a young children around you, you need to read them Bible stories. Oh, I agree. They need to be very familiar with Bible stories. My mom told me that I received for Christmas Edgemeyer's Bible storybook when I was, I don't know, seven, eight years old, uh, old enough to read. And she said, Frida, you read it until the pages fell out. Wow. And I got tickled because, I don't know, several years ago, our daughter lives close to us. And so her children would, were in and out of the house a lot. And, and Brayden, her little boy, who's 13 now, loved the stories of David. And so he had a Bible story book. And he was convinced that David only had three brothers. And I said, Brayden, that book is wrong. And he looked at me. And I said, his hair was not black. He was redheaded. And he didn't have three. He was the eighth child. child well, eighth brother. Brother, yeah. And he said, but Nana, this is what this book says. I said, the book is wrong. Now then, go get Nana's Bible. Just pick one and bring it to me. So I sat there and I went through here and I explained to him why I believed his hair was red. Right. And when I got through, he said, Nana, let's just throw that book in the trash because it's <laughs> not the truth. Well, I would encourage young women, you need to teach your children the Bible and they need to know the principles there. When we uh, built our new church, I wanted murals in the hall. And um, so the ladies, we, we got together and we painted beautiful murals of That's Bible awesome. stories. And so Braden was real emphatic about, uh, Nana, I have to paint David's hair because we have David about five foot tall. And of course, Goliath 10 foot on the wall just right. so that people see it. And he said, I don't want anybody to make sure that his hair is not red. It has to be red. And I said, yes, it does. Isn't that awesome? So. As a young woman, I, as a child, I learned to read the Bible stories. And then when I got to be older, I learned the discipline of reading that and also reading biographies. And I would encourage anyone, you say, well, I'm not a reader, then get my book. Because there are cameos of women in the Bible corresponding with cameos of women in history that will give you enough of a taste that you will see the godly character traits that they embodied. And then you can say, Lord, I want that in me. Not only will you see the godly character traits, but you'll see their flaws. Absolutely. Those weaknesses. Their weaknesses. And yes. sometimes women that are called or even men that are called by God, you're so focused on your past mistakes and your past failures 
that you cannot, uh, you're not embracing your future. And if, if there's anything I believe God has called us to do as Christians is to live present future, not present past. That's right. And, and to be transparent. And to be transparent. And yes. I love the book and, and the stories because not everyone is a picture perfect uh scenario of what we think a Christian should be or someone in ministry. Some of them had some great failures. They did. But God turned it around and they had great success in the ministry in the sense that they obeyed Christ. That's right. And so it makes, uh, it opens up the scenario for all of us, whether we've been divorced or whether we've made bad decisions in the past or whether we've had something happen to us that we couldn't control. If God's called you, he will equip you. And all he needs you to do is say, yes, be obedient to him and allow him to sanctify you. That's right. Well, I, I have a saying that I've said through the years and that's just to, to, um, have clean living. Mm-hmm. And I remember years ago, I was so determined that I, had um, huge lips made and huge ears because you have to guard right. what you listen to. Right. You have to guard what your your thought processes are. You have to guard what you taste. And so there's some books I won't read. No, no. There's some music I will not listen to. If, it, if it's grieving the Holy Spirit inside me, right. I put it aside. Right. And I, I know a few years back there was some books that were real popular even among Christians, but they were on vampires. They were on the dark side. Yes. And, um, and I said to myself, if you want to pursue that and you think it's just a novel and it's just okay, you can do that, but you are clouding what God wants to do on the inside of you. It is an impure mixture. It is an mixture. And so you have to guard your heart at all times. And so I would encourage someone that wants to be in the ministry to, to, to watch what you do. I've been out with ministers, famous ministers that were drinking and telling off color, um, jokes. jokes and it grieved the spirit of God on the inside of me. And I chose never to go around that anymore. And not that I considered myself better than them. But knowing that one day I will stand before the Lord and I will give an account of my life, I chose to not go there. And so what I would say is, number one, be a woman of prayer. Yes. Number two, understand the word. Spend time in the word. I mean, that's why now we even have a Bible college at our church, three-year program where you can get your associate's, bachelor's, and master's degree in biblical studies. I'm I'm that determined, and it it costs me. Every Tuesday night and all day Saturday, I'm at the church leading that. Why? Because I want to equip people People that want to know the word of God. And then three, guard your life. Guard how you... um, associate with you know my close friends are few i have many associates yeah me too but but those who i allow into my inner circle are those that have the same values that's exactly i told that i have and so you know it causes you to um to just say lord i want to finish well i want to do everything that you've called me to do and i want to finish well and I've made plenty of mistakes. Oh, my goodness. We could write a book about we that. We all have. 
But you know what? God's grace is sufficient if we repent, if we run to him and we're, and you know, the three most important things I would say is be quick to say, I need you. Mm-hmm. And quick to say I'm sorry. That's so good. And quick Frida. to say I love you. Yeah, Frida, that is so good. And God, I need you. Yes. I need people. Yes. I'm sorry. Yes. And I, if you know, I, I I said the other day, I told Cindy, uh, Pastor Cindy, I said. I believe we're going to be forgiving people yes. the rest of our lives. Absolutely. And that's a test we got to learn. And I believe we're going to have to be forgiven. That's right. And we need to learn to say, I'm sorry. That's right. Because what happens is the enemy is the accuser of the brethren, and he comes to accuse us of our past. And then he accuses us uh and other people against us. And we, we believe his lies and God wants us to rise up in the anointing. That's why if we start in prayer and when I pray, you know, I always thank the Lord that he is my Lord and shepherd and that he guides my steps and he orders me my life so that I'm at the right place at the right time doing what he's called me to do until it's time for me to go home, be with him. Yes. And so, uh, I've known people in my life that would never apologize. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so grievous to the spirit of God and it's grievous to relationships. If someone that's a proud and arrogant mindset, yeah, we it, have to learn to say, I am sorry. I need you. Yes, that's exactly right. I totally agree. And life is too short not to tell people when they're precious to you. Yeah, that's exact. Oh my God. Oh my God. It's so true. It's so true. I, um, I I say, I'm sorry all the time. Yes. You know, you know, and, and, you know, people have to get to that place, um, years and years ago when we were first starting our church in Cleveland, we had a couple and she had a real arrogant spirit about her. And, and one day I did something and, and, you know, I said, I am so sorry. And she said, I didn't ask for a character reference. And I looked at her and I thought, Oh my word. Well, your character sure is shining bright. Are you kidding? No, I mean, uh, seriously. And so um, I said, would it make you feel better if I said, I apologize. I do that. And she said, well, apology accepted. And it was some little penny, anything that meant nothing. But see, I was so fast to say that. And I thought if you would travel, in England, that's the way they don't say I apologize. They say sorry. Right. But, right. you know, she was ignorant. She didn't know any better. And she was full of pride. So what we do is we learn to allow the Holy Spirit to deal with our character and make us Christ-like. Yes. And so at the end of our days, you know, our children and our children's children will know if we're real or not. That's exactly right. You know, we don't believe our press release. (laughs) (laughs) Years years ago, I told him, I said, please do not introduce me with all this stuff. I'm not going to send you anything if you do that. Because they, well, we want a bio. We want this. We want that. And I'm thinking, oh, for the love. We want Jesus high and lifted up. And we want to be obedient to him. One of the the things somebody asked me is, Kelly, how do you, how do all, you know, all your kids serve God? And I said, yes, thank you, Jesus. They all serve God. They're not perfect, but they're all serving God. And they asked me, they said, well, what did you do? I said, well, I didn't do anything. It was the grace of God, really. Yes. And I said, but one thing I think that we did 
uh, our family is we kept our kids in church. Yes, very we important. Kept, we kept them in a revival church, and then we were quick to tell them we were sorry. Yes. And when they saw us being a hypocrite in some area, yeah, your kids will see you being hypocrite. Absolutely. Sometimes. We would repent and say that's hypocritical. Yes. Forgive me. Yes. And so they didn't grow up with this. God's not, they didn't have a, a skewed view of God. They realized That's very good. that mom and dad, sister, aunts and uncles, we're human. We sometimes Absolutely. we do things that are against what we believe yeah. because we deal yeah. with our own flesh. Yeah. But I think being honest with your children yes. is a big part of them not blaming God because they're going to see all kinds of failures. Yeah. And if they grow up in the church and they're PKs, you know, preacher's kids. Right. Then the congregations of the past would expect those children to be perfect. And um, they're not. I remember our youngest son was very talented on the keyboard. And so he liked to wear, uh, they used to call them Bermuda shorts. They right. were shorts that came right down to the knee. Well, he would wear them on Wednesday nights to church. And play the keyboards. Well, it just sent some of the older generation in orbit because that wasn't proper to wear to church. Mm -hmm. And I thought to myself, well, what is proper is that he wants to serve God and be in worship. Because I remember a man in the Bible that pulled everything off and danced in his underwear. (laughs) So, you know, you, you have to get to that place where you don't allow men's opinions to uh, make our children feel less than One of the things I told the congregation uh, when we were having a little bit of a dispute over Rachel, you know, some people were talking about Rachel, and I just said, look, I love you and your children, Mm -hmm. and I give lots of grace to your children because you're raising them. Yes. And you're not going to... You know what? If your kid comes in here and, and it's a little off, I'm not going to make them feel that. You know what? I'm going to pray for you. Yeah. You got to give the same grace to me and my children. Absolutely. And that's that's just goes back to being a Christian. And, yes, it does. And following well, and the, walking it out. Yes. And so any person that's called to ministry will have the persecutions without and persecutions within. Yes, yes. And um, you will have mean, hateful words spoken to you that will send your bowels in uproar. Yeah. But you just cry and give it to God and pick yourself up and, and go, go on. on. Yeah. And go on. Uh, do not let what someone else thinks about you or says about you stop the plan of God from coming forth in your life. That's it. There That's will be it. plenty of accusers that will come and, and Hurl their stones. But you know what? When they're throwing stones at you, they're losing ground. That's right. And their ground. And so at the end of the day, you will stand and that you're the one, the only one that will give an account to the Lord for For your actions. actions. Mm -hmm. So it's our choice. So that's what I would encourage. Prayer. Prayer. Studying studying the the word. word, Clean living. Clean living. And then I, I would encourage him to read good books. Yes. Um, because we need to constantly be learning. Yes. And if you have a hard time reading, then get some things like that are easy reading. My books are easy reading. They're not hard to read. Uh, although I did get 
uh, it was a compliment. The editors at Amazon told me that my book was scholarly. I've never been called scholarly before. It was. It is scholarly. Another thing that people can do is they can get books on audio. Absolutely. Which is if you have trouble reading, uh, I'm a little ADD. I have to, I have to throw, uh, if I take a highlighter and highlight it. It's like it sinks right in and yeah. I don't have any, I don't get antsy. Right. So, you know, there's ways to compensate. Yes, there and still, are. Because we should be constant learners of the word. That's right. And we need to um, have a world vision, not just the, the area that we live in or if we travel to. We need to have a bigger vision of things that God wants to do in our lives. Lord, I just thank you for Frida. I thank you for Frida White and her ministry. I thank you for her heart. Uh, you can find her books on Amazon, A Woman God Can Use, and look up Frida C. C. White. White. And uh, and then please put a review on there uh, because that's really important. for People, when they read those reviews, it makes them want to buy the book, and this book will change people's lives. Lord, I just ask you for every woman that's listening today that you would just saturate them with such a hunger for your word and such a hunger for prayer. And God, just let let faith be infused into them today. I thank you, Lord, that the women listening today are going to go into their prayer closets and say, God, what would you have me to do? Where would you have me to go? And Lord, there will not be any task too small for us. Anything that you've asked us to do, if it's if it's just hug someone at a restaurant, give someone a $20 bill, um, take someone something to eat, um, buy a homeless man a meal, uh, go work at the, at the thrift shop and, and, and give your time, whatever you've asked us to do, God, we want to do it with an open heart and we want to be women that you can count on godly women, clean living women, women of character. And we just give you the praise and the glory in Jesus name. Now I want to encourage you, um, Go, Frida is on Facebook. And then what's your website, Frida? Um, www.fridawhiteministries.org. She's a fabulous speaker. If any of you pastors or pastor's wives are listening, she would be wonderful for you to bring in to preach to your church, preach to your women. Uh, she's, she's fabulous. She's a, she's a very scholarly and she's very good. She's interesting. So sometimes scholarly doesn't mean interesting. Well, so I was she's both. To say, don't, don't say too much about scholarly. Oh, yeah, she, <laughs> she, and she's very interesting and very anointed. So I just want to encourage you to, uh, get behind her, get behind this book. I really believe this is a, uh, for such a time as this book, I, I believe that with all of my heart, the, the, when I heard she had written it. And then I know what I have felt since the beginning of the year about what God is calling women forth yes. to do ministry, to stand up, to be, to be prayer warriors. Um, there is a prophetic call to women. Yes, there is. And it's time for us to stand up and be God's voice and, and be, and, and literally get a, get a hold of the horns of the altar. And like Frida said, if we don't pray and we don't read God's word, Everything else we do is just stuff. That's right. But if we will pray and read God's word and follow his voice, that is a foundation to build the kingdom of God on. And so we just love you today. We pray blessings on you, and uh, we'll see you next week. For the past hour, you've been listening to The Warrior's Watch with Pastor Callie Hargraves as your host. For more information concerning this program, go to bpnradio.com.